and welcome back to the Sports Play Podcast, everybody. My name is Brian Rashid. I'm here with Chris Lucky. And today we're going to be talking about Dogma, the 1999 Kevin Smith movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, but before we do any of that, let's do the let's do the catch up. It sounds like you woke up like 30 seconds ago. I woke up an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna be doing the Dogma. <laughs> uh, it's been. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do Dogma. <laughs> Just, I'm fucking exhausted. Yeah. It's been a long. Uh, it's been a long week. Mm. Uh, I, I, it's only wait. Is it Thursday? Say right. Thursday. So, so the week's almost over. So mm. never mind. But it, it's just been it's just been a long week mm. for me. Like uh, school's been happening. Tuesday sucked dick, mm. and then I uh, found out it's gonna be a bummer. <laughs> I'm sorry. Found out my dog uh, has a probable brain tumor. Yeah, that and sucks. he hasn't got very long. He's been with us 16 years though. He's an old fucking dog. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily surprised. But yesterday was sort of emotionally exhausting. Cause mm-hmm. That's when we find out, and we have to consider like when do we put him to sleep because yeah. he's gonna be in a lot of pain. Yeah, and like it's just a fucked up situation, and I'm sad, and it's exhausting. Yeah, and I gotta deal with that for like the rest of the week, mm-hmm. and doctor's appointments with my mom for the rest of the week. So it, 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 everything's just kind of like fuck today. But uh, I, I wanted to, <laughs> as what? sad as it is, I was at the vet. I took my dog to the vet. Mm-hmm. And it's a small vet in Mallard Creek, yeah. so it's not very big. And uh, there's seven nurses at the desk. Mm-hmm. There's like five nurses at the desk, and they have a back where all the doctors are at. And so we walk in there, and I'm holding my dog, and he's a dog. He's scared of the vet. Yeah. He's sort of freaking out. And then they, they see him, and they tell us, hey, your dog probably has a tumor. Yeah. And you have two options. You have give him these steroid things, mm-hmm. go to an oncologist, which is going to be very expensive, yeah. or... Uh, you put him down soon, so he's not in a lot of pain. Yeah. So it does that, and and naturally the reaction to the phrase "you put him down" is to people start crying. You start mm. crying because it's your fucking dog. Yeah. So uh, then uh, we get out of the the little examining room. Mm. I'm holding my dog, and he has no idea what's going on because he's a fucking dog. Mm. And <laughs> my mom's crying, and I'm crying. Mm. And then we have to go through the social interaction, the social exchange that happens at the end of any transaction. You got to pay for your time. I got to pay for this doctor to tell me that my dog is dying. And not only do I got to pay for it, I'm crying. So like there's this nurse lady or this like secretary that Mm. has to look at my mom in the eye while she's crying and look me in the eye while they're crying and say... That'll be sixty dollars for the visit, mm-hmm. nineteen dollars for the pills, and thirteen dollars for the, the the eye drops. Yeah, and it comes to a total of ninety nine dollars and twenty cents. Mm-hmm. And then she's got to reach over to a crying woman, mm-hmm. take her credit card, put it in a machine, mm-hmm. and force this crying woman before she can leave mm-hmm. to sign. Well, not so not force, but yeah. <laughs> well, we can't leave if we don't pay. But That's, she can't uh, force uh, you. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm going. I'm going right, to right. Be, Yeah. So. They're, the she kind of has to make you sign over ninety nine dollars. Yes, for you, if, someone to. If you want the service, then you have to pay for it. And she's and, and it's, it's right, a bad right, right, situation. It's, it's a social like, contract. Yeah. That's what the the weird thing is that the social contract still happens. Yeah. While people are crying. Yeah. Over a dying dog. And or, so or, this, or, or or dying people. Or dying people. Yeah. That happens to people too. Yes. And yeah. and and <laughs> so I'm crying, but I couldn't help but think it was funny. Mm. That uh, there's four nurses and all of them are looking at us and everyone's quiet because we just got bad fucking news. Mm-hmm. And one of them goes like, all right, it's going to be $99.20. Yeah. And then we pay, we do the thing. Mm-hmm. I'm petting my dog. One of them gives me a tissue. Yeah. And then she goes, have a nice day. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, it struck me weird 
to say that. I know that, like she has to say it because mm. it's kind of like the reaction at that point. Like you do it so long that you just say have a nice day. Yeah. But it just struck me weird that this woman has now taken our money mm-hmm. and is <laughs> just to tell us a dog has a brain tumor. Mm-hmm. And then she's telling me, have a nice day. Yeah. And it's like, I'm, I'm crying. I'm holding a dog that's not going to be here for two more months. Yeah. I'm not going to have a nice day. My day is all the way fucked mm-hmm. uh, right now, no matter what happens. Fucking Scarlett Johansson could come over and like tell me she's going to pay me to direct a project she's working on and yeah. then take me out on a date and it'll still be a shit day cuz my dog is dead. Yeah. There is no way that day is going to turn into a nice one. Mm. And, and 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 I could tell that when she said it, she was just kind of like I should not have said that. I don't, just, know, that, I don't know, it might be something she says to everyone cuz like I I had the same thought too yeah. when um I had a family member die some uh, some years back and I was like paying attention to the nurses to where it was very um it was like a casual thing to where they have seen this all the time. Right, Not right. only have they seen this every month or every week, like they see someone who is the most important person in their life. They've witnessed people have that taken away from them every single day. Day, Absolutely, you know, and it's just like it's just a thing that they have to go through. It's like I'm not, I wouldn't go so far as to say like that the, they're dead inside, but it's just they're very jaded towards the world, and um, they 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 just see well, it's, it so it's much. It's a routine. Yeah. It's a routine, so they, they see, see it, it every day. Yeah, but like it's it's just it it. I think it's interesting how in like in dire moments of tragedy, yeah, social contracts are still upheld because that's a moment where it's totally acceptable for no one to say anything in that interaction. No, I disagree 100%. And just say it's $99, I'm sorry. And then that's it. Like it's totally fine for that interaction uh, to be that. Oh, 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 so like I don't I don't I don't, I don't understand. Like like in the, when the vet like when the vet uh, cuz we had the small talk, like the small talk that comes with like the conversation of pain. It's yeah. just like here's $99. Uh you know, have a nice day. Yeah. Fucking take care of your dog, whatever. The yeah. shit that vets say all yeah. the time. Yeah. It's totally acceptable in that interaction when two people are crying for obvious reasons mm. that are apparent to just say, hey, it's $99. I'm sorry. I'll make this quick for you. Oh. And it's totally fine to yeah. just completely ignore the social contract. Uh, but it, people still uphold it. People still uphold oh. the social contract of, in situations. You mean like of uh, like expressing empathy? You mean? Uh, r- right. Because uh, uh, not, not necessarily expressing empathy, but like... When you go to a place of business for mm. a transaction, yeah. that moment when you're paying for the, the service yeah. that you got, no matter what it is, yeah. the cashier always has to say a thing or two. Oh, the have a nice day, yeah. or I hope things get better. Hey, or, how you doing? Have mm. a nice day. That shit, yeah, yeah. it's totally fine to when your dog is dying in a vet to not say any of that. <laughs> <I, laughs> Absolutely fine. I don't know. I would <laughs> not be upset in the least. No, 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 yeah. If anyone, if like they didn't say that, yeah, but they still have to. And then some fucking dude walks in with their dog, who's like a happy fucking dog. It's like an Alaskan Malamute, yeah, big ass dog, mm-hmm. looking happy as shit. Walks into the vet, tail fucking wagging, yeah, looking at the guy like, "Yo, can I have a treat?" And the guy was like, "Fuck yeah, you can have a treat," and mm-hmm. just gives the dog a treat. And I'm holding my old sixteen year old dog in my hand, and I can and like the the nurses go like, "Sir." Like the nurses are like, well, haven't I? Like, hey, how you doing, man? You want to come over and walk my dog? Because apparently the guy lives pretty close. Mm. So like, it's it's just, it was a weird moment of social. It was a moment of social clarity Mm. for me that no matter the situation, in the face of a stranger, Mm. you're just an interaction. Yes, (laughs) and and nothing's gonna change that. Yes, 
And and and, and it, it struck me as funny, despite the fact that I was very sad the entire day. Oh yeah, uh, they, they they didn't um they were they weren't they didn't become like a family member. They were like, nope, you st- oh give me that ninety nine dollars. Yeah, like, I understand right. that you're crying. <laughs> I understand that you're hurt. And if I was in the situation, I'd be hurt too. But you owe me ninety nine dollars, and right. if you could do that, <laughs> I would appreciate that. I understand you're in a very large amount of pain. Yeah. But I still need that money. Yes, it's kind of—it's like a loan shark, essentially. Uh, it's just like not, it's, no, no, no. like did, the emotional—the emotional clarity of it feels like a loan shark. Or it feels like a loan shark. Yeah, it's just <laughs> just fucking weird. It's okay. fucking weird that in moments of like very human emotion, mm. uh, we still have to go through through the motions of being a person, and oh, we, yeah. we're not allowed to oh, ignore yeah. the social contract. There, there was a. I guess it was like a big grown up moment for me because like um like I never liked funerals. Mm-hmm. I I would refuse to go to funerals. And then by the time I turned like 15, 16, 17, you know, adults were like, Well, it's a part of life. You gotta go, you gotta get over it. I'm like, Well, I don't care. I'm stubborn, I'm just not gonna ever do it. Right. You know? And then um the person that I considered my mother, my grandmother, she raised me my entire life. Mm-hmm. Uh she 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 was passing away, she was dying, she was in the hospital. And at that point, it was like I couldn't just be like, well, nope, I'm still going to be stubborn, still going to do whatever I want to do. Right. I'm not, and I just had to like be there and watch it happen. You know, it was, it was, it was, it, it was, it was wild, you know, just, just seeing the process. Just, it was just a, a point to where, like, like I said, the, the nurse would come in, in and out, and she was smiling and chipper and happy. And I, in my mind, it's just like, oh, the world is about to end. Right. The whole yeah. world is ending right now, and you're sitting over here smiling in my face and being happy. Like, what the fuck is your problem? You right. know, why, why can't you be sad with me? Because this is such a terrible thing that's happening right now. But it's just like, no, nobody cares. I mean, it's, you know, it's just Yeah, like, and it's not, it's not even, a, like, and sometimes it's not even that they don't care. It's yeah. just that it's... It's their job. It's yeah. their job. So yeah. it's literally impossible for them to have anything else than a superficially yeah. empathetic connection with you. Yeah. And and it, it just, it, it like, it fucked me up because I, I was thinking about that the entire day. And then not only was I thinking about the nurse, yeah. uh, saying, like, you still owe me $99. I was thinking about the guy that walked in with his fucking dog yeah. being all happy, happy the entire dog. time. Yeah. And he see... And like we, I made eye contact with this guy, mm-hmm. so we see each other. Yeah. And he know I'm holding my dog, and he knows it's not good because mm-hmm. my face is red and there's tears going down my eyes. Yeah. So he looks at me and he goes, "Have a good day." <laughs> and it's just like that's the only thing that came to the dude's mind in this moment of like unexpected interaction with a sad person. Have yeah. a good. Day. That's the only thing we're trained to yeah. do is just uh, meet sadness with positivity. Like, yeah. if, if like I see their nothingness and just let them maybe wither away and die somewhere. <laughs> like, I don't care about. I see that you're sad. I've been sad like that. I'm not gonna pay attention to that. Right. Or you can just throw the the the, the positive that you know is gonna do nothing for them because it would do nothing for you. Yeah. You know, but it's just a hey, I see you. I recognize you. It, it's, it, it's it's equivalent social contract to someone sneezing and you saying bless you. Right. Nothing's gonna happen. You know. You don't. You don't. You don't. You don't feel blessed. From someone saying "bless you," but just saying, "Hey, I acknowledge it." it. Yeah, yeah, I acknowledge your sadness, and yeah. and and I feel like that's fine. Mm. But I always end up getting angry whenever I'm sad, <laughs> yeah. and someone goes like, "Someone gives me that sort of positivity that does nothing." Mm. It's it, it, it's weird. I don't know because when I'm sad, like I've been I've been sad for a while. Yeah. I, I have depressive episodes mm. every so often, mm. so I'm sad for no reason mm. a lot of the time. So when you tell someone, "Hey," I am sad. I am a sad person right now. Yeah. And the world just kind of sucks. Yes. And they just go, I, uh, I'm sorry. And they try to cheer you up. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I appreciate the sentiment. Just let me be sad. Mm. <laughs> you know, just like, just 
especially when when it's a friend, mm. it's kind of like just I know that you're trying to make me feel better, mm. but just reassure me that the world sucks for a bit, mm. and let me be angry at the situation for a little bit, and then after that I'll I'll engage with positivity. With people that mm. shut down sort of negative emotion mm. for the sake of like a like a positivity. Mm. Uh, it, it it ends up making me more angry than it does anything else mm. because it, it feels like ignoring the very real fact of something that's happening mm. and nobody wants to igno- nobody wants to acknowledge the shitty feeling yeah and that fucking makes me angry mm. because if someone is dying and it happened with my grandfather I watched my grandfather die mm. when I was fifteen yeah so like my grandfather's dying and everyone's trying to be positive about it yep. and trying to keep up the mood yep. and like that's when it, that's when I realized like no 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 be fucking sad mm. it's okay to be fucking sad okay it hurts it's fine mm. it happens just feel it don't give me all this bullshit about like he's in a, a, a better place that's also happens when i lost my faith mm. he's in a better place all this shit it's 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 okay to acknowledge hey this sucks i, I, I mean it, it is it is for for me it's, it's okay as well but i still wouldn't want to project like my feelings and the way that i process things onto other people you know like for them they believe in jesus christ the, the son of the lord and when somebody dies that like, they're genuinely going to a better place yeah. and they're mine you yeah, know like 100 yeah. it's like when my grandmother died it's like in my mind, like, she's nothing now. She's become back to the universe from which she once came. Right. You know, but she's not sentient anymore. She doesn't have a body and a brain and a mind. And she's not going to contact me through whatever, you know, means or whatever. But for them, you know, that person, their spirit and their soul goes up to heaven and gets to meet Jesus. And you live forever and everything is so much better than it ever and was on earth. And a great time. Yeah, and it's, and it's great. You know, so for them, it's like I can't, you know, tell them, hey, you should feel sadness for the loss that we're not going to have, you know, with them here anymore mm-hmm. it's but why, why should i feel sad they're gonna be they're having a much better time right now than we are right so it's like i can't really project that onto them because it has a lot to do with faith you yeah know, and, and, and ideals. it's different coping mechanisms and mm. all that shit and i and i get it yeah. like I, I know i know what i know that i can project my feelings into other people mm. but i can't help but be angry mm. that i can't do that you know because it's it's not it's, it's isolating when oh, you're yeah. the only person yeah that has some sort of realistic outlook on, mm. on like death or like on sad moments mm. or like when you're just feeling depressed and anxious about shit. Like sometimes you don't need reassurance. Sometimes you just need to be in it. Uh, like yeah, you just need to wallow in it for mm. a while, process it, yep. and then come out of the other end having processed all that emotion. Yeah, uh, which I guess is kind of what I'm still doing right mm. now because I'm emotionally exhausted and all that shit. But it, it, it's, it's weird. Social contracts are weird. Mm. They weird me out. And every time there's a... Uh, I, I can't help but get angry at them. Mm. Whenever, like, the absurdity of a social situation happens and someone is, you know, upset or sad or does whatever uh, you need to do. And, I, I, and, and really, the, the only reason I'm saying this is because I think it comes from a place where, like, artists do this a lot more often than people that are not artists, mm. where they violate the social contract mm. for the sake of getting an honest... Uh, discussion or reaction about mm. a thing. Okay. And, and 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 I think that's a fascinating fucking thing. Okay. I think that the idea of of being so sad that you just kind of have to get angry at it or like or or you have to to acknowledge the fact that it's it's sadness that you're feeling and you don't want to disguise it mm. is is such a great tool for any writer or any painter or any mm. musician. And and I just think I just think a lot of more people should embrace that mm. because it's it, it's emotion it's raw unfiltered emotion when we filter it through that positivity lens 
what ends up happening all the time is you just end up diluting it and accumulating it. And then you're an alcoholic for 20 years. <laughs> that's that's yeah. We, we've kind of talked about stuff like this before. Is just things that that make it's, it's make things that make you uncomfortable. Right. Like, this is a situation that makes you uncomfortable. So instead of turning around and going the other way and be like, I'm not gonna acknowledge this or deal with this. It's like my whole process has just been walking directly through it. Right. Like this particular thing makes me uncomfortable. So I'm gonna head directly to it and through it and come out the other side and having dealt with it instead of like doing a 180, turn around, walking the other way and just having all of these things that frighten me or that I don't want to deal with behind me that are eventually going to have to be dealt with at some point. Right. You know? And I think I do that in less social situations and more like emotional encounters and mm. this shit. Like, I, I love the idea of tackling emotion and, and going through through a, like a particularly bad feeling and having come out, having processed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I just think it's fascinating how people fucking work. Yeah. People work on a weird level and I left that vet thinking, my dog is dying now. And the only thing I have to show for in this appointment is a goddamn receipt <laughs> yep. that says I paid $99 for someone to tell me that. Yeah. And, and I don't know. And, and then, like, the, the saddest thing is that then I got to go to the vet again at some point in the next months yeah. and then pay them again to kill my fucking dog. Yeah. Like, that's going to happen. And everybody just pretends that that's a thing that's normal. It is, though. Like, <laughs> it's super normal. <laughs> it's common. It's yeah. common. But it's not a thing... That should be emotionally standard, you know. What it was I'm not. It's not an emotionally standard thing, no. Right, no. and but like people all the time, it's just like, yeah, well, you got to put your dock down. I'm just like, did you understand the concept of what's happening here? I am giving you hundred and twenty-five dollars mm. so you can get a drug mm. that stops my dog's heartbeat. <laughs> yes, that is what's happening in this interaction. It, it, at that point, though, it's not about the human, though. It's just like it's about the animal. It's about so the, it's like yeah. if you're if you're gonna put if you're gonna put an animal down at the, at, at a point where you put an animal down, their life has to be deteriorating so far to the point to where they're not enjoying living any no, longer. No, 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 yeah. No, and to I totally like, get that. It's like I'm, I'm doing them a favor by putting yeah. them down at this point, you know? And I totally agree. It's just yeah. the concept of it. Mm. The concept of shit that we do as people yeah. is fucking weird all of the fucking time. And I don't, I don't get how we do it so normally a lot of the time. Mm. Like, they're just moments of clarity in life. And sometimes you get them and you're like, what the fuck is being a person? Yeah. And then you just kind of go in your room and then you have no choice but to rant about it in a microphone for 20 minutes without any real I guess you know, it, it, it just it, no, <laughs> it become it normalizes it because it, it becomes like a normal thing because like now like dealing with something catastrophic once then when you deal with something catastrophic again mm-hmm. it just becomes like almost routine you just go back into oh I've dealt with this before I've dealt with these emotions this is the way that I've gone through it like it unfortunately it doesn't get easier each time but it does but the process gets streamlined yes and, yes. and 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 that and that's a that's like yeah. why humans are so good at being humans. Mm-hmm. They adapt really easily. Yeah. But it's it's fucking like I just acknowledge. So, so I just want someone to acknowledge with me mm-hmm. the fact that the whole thing is fucking weird. Just the whole human condition mm-hmm. is fucking bizarre. The shit that we do makes no sense. A lot of things. Yeah. It's 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 stupid. Sometimes you just <laughs> sit in a bar mm-hmm. and then like like the the classic example of sitting in a bar. And wanting to like impress a lady that's sitting across the bar. Mm. The shit yeah, you do in that moment, mm. it's fucking ridiculous. Okay, yeah. It's fucking stupid. Mm. You like spend $10, get her a fancy drink in the hopes that she talks to you mm. for some reason. And then in the, when she does talk to you, if she does want to talk to you, mm. then you have to 
impress her by saying like you don't say you have to it's just like what the social game feels like a lot of the time uh. you have to say shit mm. that makes her laugh and you have to be funny and engaging and all of this shit and then you do that for three hours and then you decide to take a risk sometimes the risk pays off mm. sometimes it doesn't yeah but really all you the the only thing that you're left with at the end of the night it's just a, it's a receipt for like three ten dollar drinks, mm. and then a conversation that may have happened mm. or may not have happened, yeah. and maybe it went well and maybe it didn't, and it's fucking stupid. I mean, it's it's what it's what you're willing to pay for that experience, and, and, yeah. and that in that particular instance, um, when you, when you said that, it made me think about the last time that I ever bought a woman a drink, <laughs> the very last time. Um, I was in Atlanta, 2012, so this is only five years ago or so. So um, I'm down there and I go to this bar. I'm single at the time. I just moved back to Atlanta and I'm looking for some ass. Right. You know, <laughs> I'm, 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 yeah, I'm looking for some ass. And um, so I go, we go to the bar and I sit down and this. I sit down beside this uh, this young lady, she's a black lady. She mm-hmm. looks pretty good, you know. So we talk for a minute. Then I'm like, hey, can I get you a drink? She's like, yeah. And then I tell her to tell the bartender what she wants and she orders it. And I don't know how much you know this right. drink is. Right, you're just kind of you know? gambling at yeah, that point. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I just got into Atlanta within the week, so I'm still broke i don't have a job yet right. you know so i'm there with maybe 25 bucks in my pocket mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> so so i take a gamble like wh- whatever she wants to drink is not going to be 25 dollars you know <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so so she she gets the drink and then uh, he gives me the receipt and it's uh, like a 17 dollar drink Jeez. a 17 dollar drink it's in one of those like martini glasses with the fancy like salt stuff around the rim and different fruits and umbrellas and all kind of stuff like 17 dollar drink you know so we're talking for another like 45 seconds, she takes one sip from the drink, puts the drink on the counter, and then a song comes on, a really popular song, whatever it was in 2012 comes on, and she jumps and goes to the dance floor, leaves the drink there, goes to the dance floor, and dances her ass off. I, I continue sitting there drinking my $1.50 shit beer right. you know, that I paid for for myself, drinking that, and she comes back maybe 10 minutes later, but she doesn't come sit down. She just walks off and then goes and mingles with other people. She never comes back to that $17 drink. <laughs> That I had twenty five dollars. That was seventeen dollars yeah. worth of a drink that she took one sip of, walked away from, and never came back to again. Like at that point, I was just like, I'm never under any circumstances buying, buying another person a, a drink at a bar. Like for <laughs> for what? Because it, it, it made me made me think about something. Like what what am I doing here? It's like it it, it projects uh, something into the women's mind that is just I'm saying I'm not good enough. Like my conversational skills aren't good enough. I don't believe I'm attractive enough. I don't believe me as a person is good enough. So, hey, is my money good enough? Is that good right. enough to, for a conversation? You know, and, and it's just like, no. So from that point on, it's just like, no, I'm not buying you a drink. I'll buy myself a drink. If you wanted to buy yourself a drink, like, I don't know you. Right, I, yeah. I don't know. Why am I buying? I don't give money to strangers. You know, it's like if you want to have a conversation with me, then great. If I'm good enough on my own merit for you to be engaged by me, then mm-hmm. great. You know, we can have a conversation. Otherwise, no, I'll be keeping my $17. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I agree. <laughs> It's weird. Social contracts are weird. The shit that we do yeah. as humanity to impress each other or like talk to each other or have a conversation with each other yeah. is fucking weird and nobody acknowledges. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking, it's exhausting. It's exhausting to be one of the few people in your social circle mm-hmm. that say, hey, this is fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's, sorry I went on a, a weird no, this was rant great. for like <laughs> 20 minutes. 
But like we do stupid shit mm. literally all of the goddamn time. Yeah. We walk out of, we order a fucking burger at Wendy's yeah. and we go through the social content. You're just there because you want a fucking burger. Yeah. Just walk to the lady, be polite, mm. but you don't have to engage in small talk. You don't have to be like, hey, how's your day going? Mm. You don't give a shit. You mm. want a burger. You want a burger with no pickles and fucking mayonnaise on it. Mm. Just say, hey, I want a burger with no pickles and fucking mayonnaise on it. That's all that interaction needs. I don't need to know about why your hair looks the way it does. Mm. I don't need to know about like where you got your fucking nails done. I don't need to know how you give, care about the fucking weather. Yeah. I don't need to know about like fucking like why your manager. I don't care. I don't care. I want a burger, no onions, mm. fucking mayonnaise on mm. it. Give me that. I'll give you $10. We fuck off out of each other's lives mm. until the next time that we actually have to interact. Yes. That is all I want in a perfect world. Mm. In my perfect world, I don't interact with cashiers. As I, I think it's that. I don't interact with anybody that I don't want to, okay. essentially, in a perfect world. Mm. I fucking hate social contract bullshit. Mm. I hate small talk. And I hate that whenever I got to do anything out in the world, mm. I got to talk to some asshole that doesn't want to be there either. We're both acknowledging the fact that none of us want to be there. Mm. And we're stuck there. And I hate it. It's just being a person. It's weird. I hate it. I, I don't. I, I guess I like. I project like a don't fuck with me look because right. like I don't get it. I don't like mm. the only. Well, well, like, I don't get small talk. I'll get long talk. You know, I, I talked about this like earlier, early on in the podcast. It's like it's like if somebody's gonna talk to me, they'll they'll come with me with some real, real shit. Right. Like they were raped, whether they were younger or a death in their family. Like they'll tell me like for hours of a talk, but nobody really comes up to me for small talk anymore. But maybe because I'm like an intimidating black guy or something. But <laughs> it's it's fucking <laughs> it's weird. Thankful. It's it's I, I shut I shut down small talk now. Mm. Like whenever at school someone starts talking to me weird, I just go ah, I gotta go. Mm. I just don't do it. I I, I fucking ah, it's. Being a person, you are you are changing, sir. Anyway, yeah, I guess <laughs> I fucking guess. You, you were the jump in the small talk guy while I was at the school. Well, oh. <laughs> here's here's the thing. Like I, I acknowledge the use of small talk, mm. and so I'll do it sometimes. Mm. Just going a conversation is like awkward now. Mm. But you were right at the beginning of school. It was like, all right, I gotta interact with these assholes, so mm. I gotta say something. Yep. I gotta engage in a conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm perfectly fine now without just like not fucking talking. Yeah. Just like don't care. Don't care about the Avengers. Mm -hmm. Don't care about fucking Tony Stark. And don't, and don't, and don't have to say yeah. I don't care. Like you right. can just be quiet and just let them shut do the it. fuck up. Yes. You watch Game of Thrones. Yeah. I don't. Yep. Get the fuck off my dick already. Yes. We're done. <laughs> yes. Because like, that's just what you would do. Like, you would hear people talking things yeah. that you didn't like, and then you would engage them and tell them why they're wrong. And now you're sitting there talking for 45 minutes yep. about some shit that you don't even care about. And then you're angry an hour later because you had to have a conversation with somebody that you started in the first place. Learn my goddamn <laughs> lesson. <laughs> Fuck that. So it's just like, no, you hear some bullshit, you see bullshit, let that shit be let bullshit. bullshit like, no. So, sometimes it's really hard. Mm -hmm. uh, I know we're like long in time, but sometimes it's really hard when mm -hmm. you hear someone say something mm -hmm. that you know is just like incoherently wrong. Mm -hmm. And then you walk by, and you're just like, "What the fuck? Mm -hmm. Are you? Did you? Are you what? Are you even knowledgeable nope. on nope. what you're saying? No, they're not. And 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 that that's the hardest one. That's sometimes when I like walk by a conversation, I go like, oh, oh, "Okay, okay, okay. I don't care about what you have to say, but you're wrong. <laughs> no, it has to be a person. It has yeah. to be a person that I care or respect. Because if they're they're already like on a level two, and you're saying level two shit, I'm just like, okay, well, that's that's reasonable. But yeah. if you're like a level eight person, and you say some level two shit, then I'm just like, hold on, man, you're better than that. Like, <laughs> come on, man. Like, here, maybe you just overseen something, but come on, let's get back on yeah, the level. Let's figure let's, this out. Yes, we're, we're good. Out. We're friends here. We're good. You're yeah. not stupid like that. Come there's, on. There's a safe place. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know what the underlying reason behind this is yeah yeah uh, so so yeah that's my fucking 
train of thought for the last couple of weeks. Wow. And and it took 27 minutes to get that a well, microphone. Well, so. I, I have a lot of catch-up stuff as well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sheesh. Um, goddamn, The Defenders came out. I watched that. I benched it. You watched uh, all the Defenders? I did. It was, it was How good. and why did you do you, What? Was, I, I enjoyed Jessica Jones and I enjoyed Daredevil. I, I was, and I enjoyed Luke Cage. I was ready to come on here and bash. I watched it two times. I watched it all the way through twice. Mm-hmm. One time on my own recognizance and one time because Tessa wanted to watch it. Mm-hmm. I, I was ready to come here and destroy this because of how terrible it is. Here's the thing. I agree. That's not great. You do not. <laughs> no, no, no. I agree that it's not great filmmaking. Okay. I don't like Danny. I think the writing for Danny sucks. I think the uh, plot for the season. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, so bad. He's, God, he's really so is. bad. He got a little better at the end. At the end towards any kind of. Um, but the, the, the plot for the overall show yeah. was meh. Like Electra, nobody gives a fuck about Electra, man. Too much time on Electra. You know, the Black Sky Electra stuff. The only good fight scenes were when Daredevil was involved because his stuff has been choreographed since season one of Daredevil. Right. All of his fight scenes are awesome. I mean, his stuff is good. Jessica Jones, she can't really give you the choreographed fight scenes that you want, but she brings a comic relief in a show that I need that in, in because of so much action. Right. Luke Cage, every time he gets on the screen, there's some nice-ass hip-hop music, and it gets me back engaged with the fighting and everything. His acting leaves a lot to be desired as well. <laughs> Which I'm starting to see more in this uh, Defender show. I like I like Mike Coulter's acting style. Mm. It's just the kind of stoic, uh, big buff dude. Like I like that in Luke Cage. Okay. So like I I don't have a problem with Luke Cage as All a right. character. All right. I don't have a character. But I can see it. But but I can see yeah. It. Like I like his character. I'm still gonna watch Luke Cage the yeah. second season. But I'm just like as an actor, would I ever watch you do anything besides Luke Cage as an actor? I'm like I don't know if you have the chops. But yeah. like I, I'm okay with this for now. But Defenders, like that season. Like a six out of ten or something, man. Like, yeah, it's it's not amazing. It's, Sig- it's Sigourney not Weaver let me down. Sigourney Weaver's in that show. I didn't even recognize her as Sigourney Weaver. The I first didn't either times. until Tessa told me. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. She's sixty-seven years old now. She is. Yeah. 67. Like, that was one of my old woman crushes. Like, even up until 2011 when uh, Avatar came out. Oh, like, oh I that's right. She was an Still Avatar. wanted to have sex with Sigourney Weaver, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe so. I don't know. But the, the, the defenders, defenders came out. So yeah, no, it, it was. I watched it. I, I give it a good. Uh, give it a good watch. Give it a good shot. Yeah. I think. Jessica Jones and Daredevils had mm. the best character interactions. Oh, yeah. I think if the show had been the two of them mm. with Luke Cage, mm. I feel like it would have been a lot more condensed and therefore a lot better. Yeah. I think it was too long, too much stuff on Elektra. Maybe not too long. They only had eight episodes. Well, but the episodes were like an hour and 20 minutes each. Yeah, like I mean, an that's, hour. That's yeah. good standard. And television anymore? Jessica, I mean, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Mark, uh, all of those are one-hour shows. Oh, really? I'm, I thought they were like 45 minutes. I mean, 50 minutes to an yeah. hour. Okay, oh, you're saying like the extra, like beside not being a 30-minute show, but right. just not being 50 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I oh, thought I'm they sorry. were 50 okay. minutes. And okay. also the pacing is fast enough on all of those yeah. other shows mm. that it never feels like 50 minutes. Yeah. But in Defenders, I felt like 50, yeah. like an hour yeah. or whatever. I it agree. Was. Yep. Uh, so I, th- I think it's uh, it's a good show. It's just not great. Yeah. Uh, but Jessica Johnson, their devil killed it for me. I, I can agree with that. Yeah. It's a good show. It's not great. Like I can't all the way say it's, it's bullshit, but it's just I wanted more from the show, especially because yeah. Jessica Jones was so great and Daredevil was so great and Luke Cage was so great. If um if you're like a few months removed from this show and you just happen to be scrolling through Netflix and you say, oh, Defenders, you probably won't be disappointed, you know. Yeah. But just as someone that waited for like a year to see this television show, I was it is underwhelming. That also, yeah. I, I don't like the I don't like the fact that you have to watch all of the shows to know what's going on coherently in the plot. I feel like yeah. there should have been a recap of some sort mm. uh, to give you the information that you needed. Yeah. Uh, because fuck Iron Fist. No one's going to watch Iron Fist. It's so, it sucks. No. Yeah. Fuck Iron Fist. Uh, anything else? 
Oh yeah, had <laughs> 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 a lot of shit, man. Um, there's a short television show called Snowfall on uh, FX. It's produced by uh, produced and directed by John Singleton. That's uh, on FX. It's really good. It's a pro- Well, no, it's good for the first three to four episodes. There's just like seven or eight episodes out right now, but um, check that out. Let's check the first four episodes out. If anything else, if you like it, keep on watching it. But Snowfall on FX. It's about how the uh, the crack epidemic started. The crack epidemic. Yeah. In the eighties. Yeah. Nice. So they're they're starting it from the beginning with cocaine. So I mean, they're trying to project themselves out to make. Four, five, and six seasons, but I doubt they'll get past this first one. <laughs> but, well, uh, that's really a show, that, and that's really a show that should be two, three seasons at most. Ah, uh, The Wire was five seasons. It's Wire one of the best seasons? best shows that's ever made. Uh, I, I, I have, a, I have a weird like shows like Breaking Bad, five season, five season long show, mm. really well paced, five seasons. Mm. But it's also one of those shows where I feel like if you cut out a lot of the faff mm. between side characters and like side character development that you don't need, yeah. Uh, you can end up having a three season show. I wouldn't mind, like I, I, my preference is that no show should ever go past five seasons. I agree with that. Like, That's no a good matter rule. what, you know. But yeah, three seasons. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be mad at three seasons. Like Glow, that yeah. I could see that being like a three season type show, and I would be completely fine with that. Right. But yeah. Um, but yeah, that Snowfall on FX. Um, the next thing um, by now, if you're listening to this, I assume that you know that you didn't win the lottery. Yeah, you asshole. You didn't win. You didn't win Some again. Some cunt in a gas station won it, and somewhere recently. Oh, I, I never check. I yeah. didn't, I, it's just weird. I don't know. Because I, 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 I never buy the lottery tickets. And it's just always odd to me that it's just giving away a dollar in hopes of something happening. Yeah. Like, you could you could positively affect something with that dollar. Absolutely. You know, because you, rather than just cutting it up and setting it on fire, which is what, what you essentially <laughs> you did, yeah. you know, with that. It's just people were just rounding up in the gas stations, you know, one by one trying to fill out these mega ball power tickets or whatever, like for however much the lottery was. I'm just like, it's... It was a shitload of millions. I know, you know happening. why I know that some cunt in a gas station won it? What was that? Because some fucking small talk that I was forced to have at school in the middle of the stairs. Mm. He just looked me in the eye and said like, hey, someone won the lottery and I wish it was me. And yeah. I was just going down the stairs like, I don't know what to do with that information, man. Mm. I always hear like what people will do if they, they win the lottery and they're all over Facebook and social media. And like some of them, they, they feel like they'll adjust their karma. If they say, if I win the lottery, then I'm going to give all the money to all the poor people and I'm going to fix the homeless situation and yada, yada, yada. Like, no, you're not going to do that. No. You're, you're not. Gonna, you're going to buy a pool yeah. and a big house. And you're going to put a Porsche in the middle of the house. Right. <laughs> it was like, no, you're not doing any and of that. And buy a golden dildo so you can go fuck yourself with all the money you got. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Money, money given is money spent. I mean, that's that's just always how it is. Um, really quickly, I made my own toothpaste this week. Why? I made my own toothpaste. I'm curious now. Because I've been watching so many YouTube stuff. Like I started with, like I said, last week and, and months before the mm-hmm. Laura Vitale stuff. And then that sent me to another spot where it was another talking point was um, Nicado Avocado. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of this guy? No. He has a couple million subscribers on, on YouTube. All right. So so first I was watching, I was watching Laura Vitale make food like right. legitimate chef make italian food because i'm on this diet and I, like i'm trying to stick it, stick it's to it's porn for you at this yeah, point yes it's food porn i'm watching yeah. that but i'm like there's another step instead of watching like a fo- a cooking show they have stuff on youtube called eating shows to where it's just they don't even cook they're not chefs they don't do anything they'll just like go to mcdonald's or chick-fil-a or little caesars and order a pizza and put the camera in front of them and eat it Yep. And just eat it. Just fucking eat it. And, and there's a guy, Nakato Avocado. He, he does stuff where he like makes pasta and all these kind of different cheese dishes and eats them on camera. There's a woman named Wendy's Eating Show. She's like 300 pound, like Hispanic woman, and she just eats food. <laughs> 
Oh, it, I mean, that's, and that, that's all all she does. It's so good. But but anyway, but from um, from you, you know how the internet is. It's like the further you go down the rabbit hole, then the further it sends you down. You know, more different stuff. So like looking at that stuff, then I they I started seeing like do it yourself stuff. You can do this yourself, do this yourself, and they had a do it yourself um, toothpaste. So I was like, all right, well, I already have all this ingredients in my house. There was like a bentonite clay, something that I use for, you know, like my face, for right. skin, for all this other stuff. There was like, well, you can also use bentonite clay as a toothpaste. It cleans your teeth and your gums very, very well. They said, so you just mix it with a little coconut oil. I'm like, we have plenty of coconut oil, Black yeah. House. You know, <laughs> I was going to make that joke. So, well, Black Family, yeah, we have yeah. coconut oil. <laughs> we have coconut oil, bentonite <laughs> clay, coconut oil, and, uh, and baking soda. And, you know, like, oh, we have baking soda too. So we, we mix, I mix all those three things together stirred it up, and then I brushed my teeth with it. My teeth were so goddamn clean, Brian. Are you serious? Did it work? Oh, my God, did it work? Did it work? Oh, fuck. Yes. Like, it worked very, very well. But this is the thing. It doesn't taste that great. Oh, yeah, of course. It's fucking clean. Yeah, it's it's, it's (laughs) dirt and baking soda. But my toothpastes typically are like a baking soda toothpaste anyway, the Mm -hmm. stuff that I buy. But all right, so half of my toothpaste was gone, so I MacGyvered and put the clay... Uh, coconut oil, baking soda stuff into the toothpaste How tube. How the fuck? I took uh, like a turkey basting thing and sucked up the clay mixture with the baster and then stuck it into the toothpaste tube and squeezed it in there until I got it all the way in there. This took quite a while <laughs> to do. <laughs> <laughs> but it works now. So now I got the flavor of like a toothpaste and my like do-it-yourself toothpaste together. And it's so awesome. Yeah. If you put like a like a mint essential oil, would you get minty toothpaste at that point? No, it is like the um, the original toothpaste that I used still had half of the the toothpaste in oh, there, okay. so that that had flavor to it, you know. So I just mixed both of those together, that's and it's hilarious. like a pretty awesome toothpaste. That's fucking funny. Yeah, that's that is all that happened this week though. For I, w- I want to try that now. I want to make my. It's toothpaste. great. It's, it's really good. Great. Yeah. <laughs> it is. You got anything else? Um, it's my birthday today. Oh yeah, fuck yeah! Happy it birthday! It is my birthday. Thank you. Hell yeah! Uh, that's fucking thirty-three. Three, yeah, thirty-three. Yeah, nice. You're one year older than my brother. Yeah, that's fucking cool. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, happy birthday! Yeah. Uh, we are going to cut and mm-hmm. then go into talking about dogma. So we will be right back. Hey. And welcome back. Yeah. Uh, Dogma, 1999, Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. Chris, do your thing. Uh, Dogma, like I said, it's uh, rated R, 1999. It's listed as a fantasy parody film. It's two hours and ten minutes. The rundown is two falling angels were, re- were ejected from paradise, find themselves banned in Wisconsin. They are now headed for New Jersey where they find a loophole that can get them back into heaven. The only catch is that it would destroy humanity. A group bands together to stop them. Um, the writer-director is Kevin Smith. It stars Ben Affleck as Bartleby, Matt Damon as Loki, Linda Fiorentino as Bethany, George Carlin as Cardinal Glick, uh, Janine Garofalo as Liz, Chris Rock as Rufus, Selma Hayek as Serendipity, and Alanis Morissette as God. Oh, forgot. I didn't write his name down, but um, uh, John Cusack as... Um, I can't remember that guy's... John Cusick. The, the guy that, that, that appears, he's on fire. Behold the voice of God. That's the not one John that you, Cusick. That's, uh, that's uh, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman is his name? Alan Rickman. Yeah. Okay, there we he, go. He was Snape. Nape? Snape. Oh, from uh, what's the name? From uh, Harry Potter. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Alan Rickman. One, yes. of the, one of my most iconic uh, childhood characters of... Childhood actors, really. I fucking, I've seen that guy since I was born. Oh, from uh, the Harry Potters? Uh, yeah, pretty much. And like, like, well, he's just been in my life as an actor. He's one of those actors that have consistently been in my entertainment. 
And I love them. He's been in something besides Harry Potter? Yeah. Well, I he, guess he's had to be because he's just in Dogma. He, he, was in, he was in Sweeney Todd. He was a judge in Sweeney Todd. That was pretty recent, though. He was, uh, he was uh, this guy uh, here. Yeah. Uh, he was the Harry Potter guy. Mm. He's in a lot of, like, British stuff. Uh, I, I can't think of like his like his filmography at okay. like the moment, but yeah. I know he's he's always been present in my childhood. Okay, and I, I fucking love him. He's such a great actor. I could hear that man talk any day. He's nice. got a heavenly fucking voice. That's what me. That's what Tessa yeah. said when she was watching it summer with me last night. She was like, "This guy's face is terrible, but his voice is godly." <laughs> <laughs> Poor Alan. Yeah. <laughs> so did you get the run? That, okay, yeah, you get the run that already. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ke- Kevin Smith. I have a weird relationship with Kevin Smith. Really? Yes, because I love Kevin Smith. The filmmaker. I love his unapologetic okay. filmmaking style. I right. love what he does with movies. I've read his book somewhere. Tough shit. Yeah. Great fucking book if you're a filmmaker. Yep. Uh, he's one of the best speakers that I know. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the smartest people that I know in the industry right now. I yes. fucking admire and love Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. However, his movies make me feel weird. <laughs> okay. Because I love what he does in his movies. Mm-hmm. I love the message. I love the writing style and how unreserved he is yeah. when he's doing that writing. Mm-hmm. But a lot of his filmmaking made me go like, I don't know if that was great. I had a great time, but I don't know if that was a great movie. Uh, and that's exactly how I feel about Dogma. Okay. That's it. Like Roger Ebert gave it a, I had to look it up because mm-hmm. I, I want to know what people thought about this movie. 3.5 out of 4. 3.5 out of 4, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like and and people protested this movie because they were like so angry. So this movie had a lot yeah. of like publicity back mm-hmm. when it came out. Oh yeah. And I wanted to know what people were thinking. And people think it's a genuinely good film. And I and I am inclined to agree. Yeah. But I, I something about Kevin Smith, just all his movies make me feel a slight brand of discomfort mm. as a filmmaker. And I think it's because I'm not Kevin Smith making the movies. Mm. I think because I'm jealous of how Kevin Smith makes these movies. I okay. think that it makes me uncomfortable. All right. So, like, this, the, uh, the way that I feel about this movie can easily be solved by, like, I had a fantastic time watching this movie, but I don't know if I can call it great filmmaking. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just gonna like if you had just said yes, that would have been like the nicest bow to, we have ever wrapped. And you're just like, I. Don't I was know like, I was you. trying to understand yeah. it. I was like, but yeah, it's like um a lot, a lot of his movies. Like I don't think I can consider any of his movies great. You know, right? Well, right. But I mean, I, I, but all of them have been very good to me. And there are there are a number of them that I would recommend. Like if if some if if someone were to walk in off the street, I would recommend one of Kevin Smith's movies to them before I would recommend a Criterion movie to them. Absolutely. You know, even though the Criterion is what it is, but Kevin Smith's movies are more relatable across the board and still hits all the notes, but does it in a very funky way, as if the the person that is playing these notes doesn't know that there's any uh, supposed to be an organization and a process and a way that things are supposed to be. Right. You know, it's just he makes movies the way. Way that he decides to make them I mean, you see his first movie the camera never moves like yeah. he was like shit i didn't know how to i wasn't a camera guy i wasn't a videographer i didn't know what the fuck to do so i put the camera there i sat it there and did not move it and just <laughs> kept everything inside the frame that i wanted and it's like as a viewer like you don't understand this like as, as far as you know it's just his process it's right. just the way that That's he wants he to shoot things you know so it's just it's very odd the way that he makes movies and puts things together but like i said he hits all the notes but it's just in a very peculiar way it's a, it's a, it's a, he's a weird filmmaker mm-hmm. 
Uh, and, and one of my favorite, and he's really open about this too. One yeah. of my favorite interviews that he's he's talked about was mm. when he was talking about clerks. Mm. It's like, listen, it, it, any idiot can point a camera and turn it on. Yeah. <laughs> and then he turns it around the camera, the cinematographer for the interview, and goes like, I mean, not that your job is easy, but yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. It's a, like it, 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 his 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 approach really is, I think, what makes his movies mm. as good as they are. Because if he was a little bit faffier mm. and it was a, a little bit more pretentious, I think that his movies wouldn't work. Because that wouldn't come through. Yep. That sort of passion of just getting the story out would not come through. Yep. And I think that's ultimately what makes Dogma great. Because mm. like, uh, the technicality of filmmaking, even though it's great, it's mm. not, I mean, it's, even though it's good, it's mm. not necessarily impressive. Yeah. The sort of like the action scenes and fight scenes mm. are very shoddily done. Mm. The editing can sometimes be weird. The cut to action, some, the, like the cutting when an action is happening on screen sometimes doesn't work yeah. as a match cut or mm. doesn't match like, up. Like writing is, is more of a strong suit. Right. You yeah. can definitely tell that. And, and, and the dialogue and the way these characters talk to each other mm. is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but the technicality of the film isn't amazing. Yeah. So I, I feel like if you're looking for that in one of these Kevin Smith movies, mm. you might not get it. Yeah. Mm. But, I mean, his movies are just fascinating to watch. <laughs> I like, um, I like w w when rewatching this, it made me think about a, um, I read one of his books too, and it was like everybody dies screaming or something about dying screaming. Well, that was, and, his book was tough shit, and I think mm. my dad died screaming. My dad died screaming. Yeah, that was okay. a chapter in his book, I think. Okay, yeah. And he had a, he had a stand-up special that, um, that had something revolving that too. Mm -hmm. But, but anyway, I, I remember him talking about his, um, he was talking to, to his wife, and he was talking about how he was still Christian, and, um, he believed in Jesus and religion and he just grew up with it it was just indoctrinated into him it was something that he just had right. and he didn't know really how to break away from that and at this point he was in his late 30s when he's talking about the conversation and he's been with his wife for over five years and she says you're too smart for this shit <laughs> you know <laughs> it was like why are you still talking about this religion and jesus and all that's you're way too smart for this bullshit you know but in his mind it's just like he's still it's like rationally, he says that I understand that she's right, right, you know. But the way that I grew up, like I can't. It's hard for me to deal with that, and I can see him trying to deal with that through his writing and his movies from Dogma and the movie Red State, which right. is about uh, Christianity as well, you know. And this in, in Dogma, he's dealing with, you know, if there is a heaven and if there is a hell, it's just basically imagine yourself as a nine-year-old in church, an intelligent nine-year-old who has questions about this Bible and the things that the preacher is saying, and everybody. Is just like nope don't worry about that don't question right. that this is the person that has grown up and has written a movie and questions everything within the bible and christianity and religion in general and just shows you what it is at its face like if this is a actual story then this is what you're about to get here you right. know you're going to get loki and bartleby that are actually you know the the, the, the death bringers or um or god's um one of them's an angel of death yeah um loki, I believe. Yeah, loki loki's yeah. the angel of death one of them's a watcher Bar bartleby is a yeah, watcher Bartleby. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get uh, characters like Lucifer, who we didn't get to see, you know, but right. it's a biblical character or um, Bartleby and, and Loki. It's like, you'll get things like that. So it's like, you got to see the full personification of all of that through dogma. Right. It was awesome. And, and like, one of my favorite things about dogma as a, as, as a, I think this is one of those movies, I think Roger Ebert said it also mm. in his review, but this is one of those movies that would definitely read better than it watches I, I can see that because uh, the dialogue is so incredibly mm. fun and dynamic yes. and Chris Rock uh, who's my favorite character in the movie so far he's just okay. hilarious uh, I, so like I'm sorry go, go ahead, ahead. 
I was just about to say the only reason I didn't like Chris Rock is mm-hmm. because he was so derivative of um, Richard Pryor. But yeah. unless you watch Richard Pryor, then you don't know that he's still in Richard Pryor's shit. Right. So it's like I couldn't laugh at it because I'm like, Richard Pryor, you know better than that. You know those are Richard Pryor's jokes. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> anyway, I'm See, I didn't know that. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter if you don't know that, you know, but anyway. Um, but like the the thing that I noticed is that the writing for this movie and everything that happened in this movie really did feel mm. like Kevin Smith going like, hey, 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 hey. Are there religion shit that mm. you're talking about? Maybe it's fucking stupid. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that really comes through in like making Loki and Bartleby as like as dumb as he could make anybody else in the movie. Like they're not smart mm. characters. No. Nobody in this movie is a smart character. And I think that's what he's trying to get at. I think for this movie, this movie was him saying, like, hey, religious people, non-religious people, people that meet in the middle, mm. all of us are fucking idiots and have no idea what's happening. And, and that's that's what I got, oddly mm. enough, from this movie. Mm. Uh, and I know he was going for more of like a taking the piss out of like the way that that people claim to live a religious life, mm. and then they don't necessarily live that yep. religious life through hypocrisy, yep. or or they they twist God's word to yes. fit their worldview. Yep. I know that's what he was going for, yeah. and that comes across very much too. Yeah. But my favorite message that I got from this movie is like, hey, 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 mm. stop taking yourself so seriously. Mm. We're all fucking idiots here, and none mm. of us have any idea what's going on. Okay. And this could this could very much be what's going on. Mm. This interpretation of the story mm. is as true as any interpretation that you have of the story, and and that's kind of what I liked about Dogma as a movie. It it um if there wasn't like a god, like mm-hmm. they they actually brought down like a personification of mm-hmm. a god. So it kind of leaned towards one angle over the other. Like I have I would have to squint a little harder to get more of like a a um we're all we none of us know what we're doing. Like I think that's an underlying tone, but it's just by the fact of us giving each literal character from the Bible, it kind of just seems like like you said, taking the piss about the Bible. But also saying that there might be something to this as well, right? And and yeah. and I, I know that I know that. That's why I'm saying that it comes through, and that's yeah. the main thematic. Yeah. But that my favorite thematic okay. is the one that we're idiots. Okay. The one that I like the most. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. It definitely does come across as just like we, did, you know, stop doing this. <laughs> this <Yeah>. is dumb. <laughs> I, my, my favorite character easily, and my favorite role from. From Matt Damon, I guess is Loki. Oh, really? I think that's my favorite role from him ever, besides um, equal to um, what's the movie with him and uh, Robin Williams? Uh, uh, Good Will Hunting. Good Will Hunting. Yeah, yeah that's but, my favorite Matt Damon. Yeah, role. that's that's my second. Maybe yeah. maybe Todd. Maybe Todd. But this one here, uh, it, uh, the movie opens with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. And at the time, what's <laughs> fucked up is like back then in like the er- the late '90s, early 2000s, I still thought Ben Affleck was a good actor. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> and it's like looking at it now, it's like I realize like how much more talented. Matt Damon was than than Ben Affleck even back then. Like the opening, the opener of the movie is Matt Damon giving like a minute and a half monologue about why he doesn't believe in religion whatsoever, right. and and it's because of reading Alice in Wonderland and how all the different characters in Alice in Wonderland represented a different religion. Yep. You know, and then in the end, all of these characters they they got all these people or all these beings to follow them, and then they ended up shucking them open like oysters and in devouring them. Right. You know, and essentially just saying that was a metaphor to what the religious people are you know you're, you're just using people and he's right. explaining this to a nun and 
And like I said, it's like an hour, I mean, a minute and a half, two minutes, three minutes of him doing this monologue. And, and it was a long tracking shot, too. Yes. You know, so it's like, it's one of those things where you'll see actors and they'll talk about how it's really not as difficult as you would think, you know, being an actor and memorizing lines, you know, because you'll be there and you'll, they'll sit you down and then you'll memorize like two lines and then that'll be the shot. And right. then you'll do those two lines over and over and over again. And it's just, before it's not a thing. But when you're doing half a, a paragraph, full shot you know we're not cutting away from you just memorizing half a page you didn't right. see Ben Affleck do anything like that in that movie no and, and uh, here's I think Matt Damon like mm. Matt Damon has this like charm that mm. he's kind of like a lovable kind of asshole kind of character lovable would be tough oh most okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Mo in most movies I'm not yeah. talking about this movie okay. in particular but Matt Damon as an actor he's got that vibe that yeah. kind of like I'm gonna speak at you very fast mm. stop in the middle of the lines mm. and convince you and make an argument yeah. and then I'm gonna look like the smartest guy did that in Good Will Hunting did that yes. in Martian, oh, yeah. in this movie. Yes. Uh, that's Matt Damon's sort of aesthetic, except mm. for like the Matt, the Born Supremacy yeah. movies. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and I like that, mm -hmm. but I, I, he just comes off as such an asshole. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that uh, I can't, I, I, I find it hard to, like I, I admire his craft in this movie, but mm. I didn't like him in this movie a lot. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I loved him. Like he, he starts off, because he's so hilarious. He brings the, the, comic, uh, the comic relief for me mm -hmm. throughout this entire movie. So at the beginning, after uh, he has his monologue, and um, Bartleby was like, I've, I've witnessed you talk to God, and you're talking about <laughs> that you don't believe in God. Like what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you know for a fact, fact. there is a God. <laughs> yes. You know for a fact there is, and you're still saying this I'm shit. just like fucking with the clergy. <laughs> <laughs> so so there um so Ben Affleck Bartleby he has a a newspaper and it's showing that there's a Catholic church in New Jersey and um they're going to be basically like cleansing people's sins or whatever mm -hmm. and 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 Bartleby and Loki you know they've been cast down to live in Wisconsin for the entirety of humanity you know for forever and ever and um and, and that was that was another weird thing to me mm -hmm. in the writing that I didn't think he might have thought too far through that is humanity um sewn into earth you know, like humanity can exist without Earth. But anyway, no, no, I think that's what it meant. Like, as long as humans are alive, you guys are stuck here. But, but what I if, think that's what that what but, were implying. But, but say humans are alive five thousand years from now in a completely different universe, but the Earth is long since gone because the sun has burnt it up. Yeah, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I know what you're saying. I mean, it's, it's a small nitpick yeah, yeah. that means. But I, I think <laughs> what he was saying is just like in yeah. human history, yeah. know, you're banished. Yeah. yeah, not necessarily that all of Earth. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, because like human fine. history could last yeah. a very long time, yeah, and you're okay. in a place that doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was just weird to me. All right, so, but um, but yeah, they they talk about that, and then it was like, all right, so we can find a way to actually get back home. We can get back into heaven, you know, as long <laughs> as we have our sins cleansed, and then we we renounce like as long as, and then we kill ourselves, yeah. and then we can go directly to heaven. They have to trap some sanctuaries, mm -hmm. uh, wash their sins, and then kill themselves. And then kill themselves. And so, so they, they have this plan, and Loki is like, all right, so the last four days on Earth, if I, if, last four, four, four days on Earth, if I had a dick, I'd go get laid, but we can go do the next best thing. But I'd be like, what's that? Let's go kill people. <laughs> and the, the lady fucking like, oh, spits out her coffee. He's like, oh, not you. <laughs> and he said it's just like so matter-of-factly. It's like, oh, killing people is a normal thing. No, not, not you. We're not killing you. Like, chill out. Like, get the fuck over yourself. Yeah, <laughs> you're fine. I like the absurdity of all the conversations. Like, mm -hmm. when, when Matt Damon's buying the gun, mm -hmm. they have this all conversation about him like, it's not no, a no, no, sword. I, I rain sulfur. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you just made fire. I mean, who, anybody, who can't make fire? <laughs> No, I rain sulfur. That's like a test of endurance is what that is, to rain sulfur down. <laughs> and Jenna said it's one of the most exhausting things one can do. <laughs> yes. I rain sulfur. Yes. 
that, was a great that line. conversation made me fucking laugh so hard because awesome it just one. gets ridiculous. Like yeah. all the com- the conversations between Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. and the conversations between uh, uh, Rufus and Bethany mm-hmm. get fucking ridiculous. I, I like the conversation between uh, Jay uh, from Silent and Jay. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, uh, so, uh, Jay, Jay and Silent Bob. Um, I like Jay's conversation when they meet uh, the main character for the first time. <laughs> Uh, she, like so, so they save her. She's about to get uh, uh, killed by these uh, hockey guys, which is right. a theme amongst um, Kevin Smith. He's all into the hockey Canadian right. type stuff, or whatever. So these Wayne uh, Gretzky thing. Yeah. So um, these three, there's these three kids, and um, they're all dressed up like hockey kids or whatever. And they come to come kill her. And her keys fall up under the. They fall. They throw the keys under the um, under the car. She's reaching for them. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob come to save her. Mm-hmm. And after this happens, so she's all thankful and everything. And she's like, "What the fuck are what, what are y'all even doing here?" And Jay's like, we're here to pick up chicks. And she's like, what? <laughs> Jay's like, yeah, we figure an abortion clinic is a good place to meet loose women. Why else would they be here unless they like to fuck? <laughs> yeah, it was like, okay, that logic. I get it. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Here's uh, Jason Mewes has one of my favorite lines of the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they're in the diner with Bethany. Yeah. And she's talking about how she's like not gonna go with them or not gonna fuck him or something. Yeah. And then he's about to stand up and leave and she like holds his hand or something. He's yeah. like, I'll scream rape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll scream. I'll do it. I uh, fucking laughed so hard at Jason Muse saying that line. Yeah. For no real reason. It just cracked me the fuck up. <laughs> he he had a he had a good I like the um Kevin Smith's writing. Is I, I love how, how he writes because he doesn't leave himself out of the jokes. Right. Like he, he pokes himself over and over. It was like, um, yeah, if, um, if it wasn't for me, a lunchbox here, then you know nothing would have happened. Like calling himself lunchbox yeah. or um, Biggie. What, yeah, yeah. He, he does a lot of things to poke at himself, you know, even mm-hmm. though, and he had one line in the movie. I, th- I think he only spoke once. He had, Did he, he, speak he a spoke time? three times. Okay. I think. The only one that stuck with me was um, they're having the fight on the train, and then he throw he throws Ben Affleck out of the train, and there's a guy that with his newspaper, he's looking at it, like looking back and forth, and Kevin Smith, you can see him trying to figure out how can I make him understand what happened w- w- without speaking, right? You know, while while keeping silent, and he looks at it for like thirty seconds, you know, trying to figure it out, and it was, and then he's like, no ticket. <laughs> <laughs> like, Shit, he had to say something. No ticket. Didn't have a ticket. <laughs> the little moments, like, I think, like, Silent Bob had my favorite character interactions. Yeah. <laughs> because he's just, like, I love how the, like, Jason Mewes and, and, and Kevin Smith, like, have the dynamic on screen where, mm. like, Bob would just point at him and just be, like, wiggle his eyebrows. Yeah. And then Jason Mewes will immediately translate what that yeah. means. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to fuck me? And Bob's like, oh, so you're going to fuck us? us? us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like, I like how um, when they first met her and they're in the, uh, the diner mm-hmm. and they're, they're trying to convince her to fuck them. It was mm-hmm. like, well, that's, that's why we're meeting up. Why else did you bring us to a diner and all this stuff if you're not trying to fuck? So eventually she lets them know that like, no, ain't no sex going down. I need you to take me on a journey. A dream told me that you're going to take me somewhere, yada, yada, and lead me. And um, so Jay is like, all right, well, I need to know, is there any situation where you would fuck me? <laughs> you know? He was like, well, if there's only four hours left on Earth and the entire Earth is going to be exterminated, everybody's yeah. going to die, and it's the apocalypse, would you fuck me then? She <laughs> thinks about it for a minute, and she's like, well, I guess under those yeah, circumstances, sure. <laughs> sure, all right, whatever. <laughs> you know? So by the time we get to the end of the movie, you know, Ben Affleck has gone 
full like blood rage mode and just yep. and there's dead bodies all in the street and and it's just Jay and and the, our main character inside of the, the back of this van. So she's like trying to figure out how they can still win and overcome. And Jay is sitting there unzipping his pants and taking his pants off. <laughs> and was like, hey, let's get to it. Well, you said there's like five hours left on Earth. Nobody's gonna kill this guy. We're all about to die. So why don't you go ahead and get on this dick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I mess with Jay. He was in school. Yeah. That's it. Jason Mewes' character was was really fucking funny. Yeah, the entire movie. Oh yeah. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob. Uh, they've been they they've been in, have they been in Clerks? One movie yeah. that they showed. They, they were they were they were in Clerks. I believe they were in Clerks too. I believe Mall they were, Rats. They were in Mall Rats. I'm trying to think of a movie that they weren't in. They were they weren't in Chasing Amy. I don't think. No, they were not in Chasing Amy. Like that's that's the only one. I no, could, no, 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 no. Were they? Silent Bob was in Chasing Amy. Yeah, he was. Not Jay. Not Jay. He had a whole monologue about uh, you know you should Where'd go you? chase Amy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I guess he's most been, of them. They've yeah. been in most movies. Yeah, I think Kevin Smith started the cameo trend. You mm. know what I'm saying? Like the director showing up uh, in the way that we see it right now with like Stanley and all that. What shit. year did uh did did uh Pulp Fiction come out? Uh, oh wait, the Tarantino at first. I was yeah. like 1980 something. No, no, I, 1990. It was it was it was. Um, like ninety seven, yeah, say. something like that. But yeah. yeah, maybe it was a few years before. But still, like that's the writer director that's putting himself mm-hmm. in the movie. Oh, before that, before that, Spike Lee, Spike, he, he was yeah. doing that before all of. He was doing that in the eighties. He's right. put himself in every movie that he's made besides uh, Miracle on Saint Elm Street or Anna or whatever. But yeah, okay. I think I think then Kevin Smith is one of the most notable examples. I think because he's got a prominent role in every movie he's in. I mean, it, I guess it's, it's perspective, I guess, because. Yeah. Um, uh, I think if you ask any black person, they don't know who Kevin Smith is. Yeah, but no, they totally all right. know about Spike Lee being in every movie he's ever made. Right. Well, does okay. Does Spike Lee have like like a role in the movie, or does he just show up for a shot or two? Um, the, yeah, that's a different. He, he gives himself roles. Actually, oh, he gives himself yeah. roles. Yeah, he okay, doesn't so just he does do the, the shot. Thing. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. So uh, I, I I kind of appreciate I, I appreciate that Kevin Smith does that because mm. I feel like it humanizes him as a director mm. and as like as the writer that he knows he's writing himself into these things. Mm. Uh, I haven't seen enough Spike Lee movies. So like, I don't think you've seen any yeah. Spike Lee movies. I've seen a. I think, I'm pretty sure I've seen at least one. Nope. Yeah. Nope. One or two nope. at least. I'm nope. pretty certain. <laughs> I watched like the first hour of Do the. I know for a fact that I watched you, the first seen hour some of Do the Right Thing. Of yes. Do the Right Thing. Yeah. I mean, it's like I, I'm not yeah. like making fun. Like, if you asked me to name one Puerto Rican directed movie, I couldn't do it. Uh, you know. You sure? Probably directed. Oh, the director. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I confuse Guillermo del Toro and Benicio del Toro all the time. Yeah, <laughs> Guillermo del Toro is not. Uh-uh. 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 I'm like, you know what I'm saying? It's like I'm. I'm it's like it's not. I know you're not making element. fun of me. But no, like I'm sure there's at like, least one you? Spike Lee movie. Yeah, it's not that like I've that's seen. Denzel. Like Denzel yeah. Washington. Yeah, I'm getting on your ass. He's like mainstream. Like you have to know what that is. But Spike Lee is like not crossover mainstream. Like really, I feel crossovers. like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I forgot what I was saying about Kevin Smith. Um, putting himself in movies that humanizes him. Yeah, human, humanizes him, I think, as a, as a director. And yeah. it makes me appreciate the fact of, like, he knows he's not taking himself too seriously. Yeah. And so, like, seeing him seeing him in a movie and being a, a, a character like Silent Bob mm-hmm. makes me realize, like, oh, he knows he's just making a silly thing. Mm-hmm. And it's and it, it brings me joy. Because yeah. in a world where everybody takes himself too fucking seriously, yeah. Kevin Smith is just like... This is just. F- I'm having a good He's time. Fun. I'm yeah. having a good time. Oh yeah, and 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 I appreciate that. I uh, I like the the cameo from uh, wasn't really cameo. He was in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, George Carlin played by yeah. uh, he, he was a uh, Cardinal <laughs> Glick. Uh, early on, early in the movie, the first thing you get to see is um, him introducing. They're they're revamping uh, Catholicism. Right. You know, trying to get more people in. So they um, they changed the image of of Jesus, and now they have Buddy Christ, which I didn't know was a, like a, I, I've seen that meme all my life. Yeah. 
no idea where that was yeah. from. <laughs> yeah. Buddy Christ. And that's why it was so controversial. Like, mm. this is 1999, pre Y2K, any of that stuff. Yeah, right. So it's like, you can't really go making a movie, you know, saying anything about Jesus or Catholics or any of that stuff. To the point, like, the movie, I think, like, the first minute is just like a disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> you see the first minute of the movie is just like a disclaimer. First minute and a half. It's just Kevin Smith writing three, yeah. four disclaimers. Yeah. You know, it's really funny. It's like, sheesh, <laughs> you know, for the time, it was wild. But um, yeah, Cardinal Glick, uh, later in the movie, they're, um, they, they go to Cardinal Glick and they, they ask him about the... Uh, about or they, they try to get him to shut down the ceremony. The, the ceremony and he was like what the fuck why would i do that and then they're asking a little more and he was like um with his church he was like you got to fill them pews people that's the key grab the little ones as well hook them while they're young and rufus is like kind of like the tobacco industry and he was like christ if only we had those numbers <laughs> <laughs> you know he's just like a racket you know yeah. he's trying to pull people in for money is just absurd and i think and and I and and I I think that that just works so well with the message of the movie. Like mm. I feel like every like the movie's over the top. It's exaggerated. Mm. The acting is like obviously not supposed to be taken super seriously. Mm. Uh, so every it's it's it, it edges for me. It edges the line of absurdist social comedy. Yeah, where yeah. everything makes so little sense mm. that you have to laugh at it and take it at face value. Mm. And, and and the cardinal is is one of those things oh, where yeah. like gets a message across. It's like we're just making money off of religion at this point. Yeah, uh, find your own faith. And I think I think the message of the movie is like find whatever makes you comfortable in your in, in your own faith. Yeah. you know, live your faith how you can live it, mm-hmm. and and then you'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the anti the I was raised Catholic too, and I fucking hate the Catholic Church. Mm. So I was laughing my ass off at all the expense of Catholicism. Yeah. <laughs> it really makes no fucking sense. All right. <laughs> so like the like the the planar uh, indulgence thing, mm. where it's like you will immediately be forgiven no matter what you do, yeah. and all of that shit. I, th- I think the movie calls into questions a lot of the religious loopholes. Yeah. That as a as a person of faith that you were. When you were brought up in that faith, mm. these are all questions, like you said, that you've all been asked. You've yep. been the nine-year-old asking these questions. Yep. And I think in the lack of answers, mm. Kevin Smith went like, well, fuck it. I'm going to make my own answers. Yep. And this is what came out. And I think it's such a – it's like the technicality of the movie isn't amazing. No. But I think the heart and soul and like sort of the passion that was in the movie mm-hmm. at the time of making it really shines through and yep. makes the movie a really good time. Oh, yeah. The um I, my favorite scene I believe no by far is um there there there's like a business meeting with like a whole bunch of like white older business guys and they're all sitting down at the table at the desk <laughs> I and, love and, and one woman and um Bartleby and Loki they they walk in and at this point they've already decided they're gonna go on their killing spree yep. and then you know walk through the thing and have all their sins you know r- released and then kill themselves and then go up into heaven but before that since they don't have a dick and they can't go fuck people they're gonna <laughs> go do the next best thing and kill people <laughs> but 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 uh but Loki can only kill like very sinful people like he right. can't just go kill righteous people just and doing it for no reason you know so um so so, th- so they go in there and then one by one the uh what is it the watcher Bartleby he goes in and he lays down the sins of each person you know you you, you uh spent the, the the company money to go off to india to fucking 11 year old boy yep. uh, you you know just like terrible things that everybody around the room has been doing you know and um uh, and Matt Damon, he's like, okay, you know, good Loki. He's like, good job. You you let them know about their shit. You know, he talks for a little while longer, and like tells them how they should be ashamed of themselves, mm-hmm. and then walks out of the room. 
And then they're looking at them each other. They're like, fuck, you know, what the hell? Yo, what the fuck was that about? <laughs> then he walks back in with a gun and just starts murdering up everyone, shooting up the entire room. And you can see he's like, don't run. Don't run from this <laughs> as he's shooting up everybody. The next scene that we see is everybody inside the room dead besides one woman. Yep. There's one woman there. And then uh, he goes up to the woman chewing a piece of gum. He's like, gum? And then she's all scared and shit. She's like, oh, these guys, they were fakes. You're, you're a pure soul. You have nothing to worry about. But he's like, oh. But you didn't say God bless you when I sneezed. <laughs> it's like, and that's, that's like a pivotal thing. That, that was always my favorite part from the movie. So when I watched it again, like I realized, like when he's talking to the man at the first, in the, at the very beginning, he, the sneeze is fake as shit. Yeah, like, absolutely. And then he just stops and looks around the room to see if anybody's <laughs> gonna say anything about it. <laughs> so by the time he kills everybody, he remembers, it's like, oh no, you might, you might not be a good person. I sneeze. <laughs> And so uh, Ben Affleck was like, hey, come on, come on. That's enough, Loki. He's like, hey, you're getting off light. (laughs) (laughs) You're getting off light. And it's uh, Ben Affleck and and Matt Damon's like Mm -hmm. little bit in the stories Mm -hmm. were honestly like some of the funniest bits. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, before, like in that same scene, Matt Damon does the thing with the voodoo doll. Oh, and he's like yeah. trying to convince the guy that he's going to kill him via voodoo. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't fucking believe in voodoo. Yeah. <laughs> no. He walks out, but I do believe in this. And just fucking, that's when he pulls out the gun. Yep. And you see Ben Affleck in the corner. He's like, oh, do you believe in this? Fucking yeah, what idiot? kind of line is that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what does that even mean? Yeah. What a shitty line is that? I, I, I think, I think in the movie does a great job at humanizing those, like those weird Bible characters that mm. you always hear of and like making them, I think it makes them not complex characters, but in a way that, like, um, how do I say? They make them interesting. They yeah. make them a little bit more manageable, for, I guess, for, like, the topic of the movie. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I think I just enjoy how he, he takes all these Bible characters and he makes them fun. I like um, Serendipity. She was played by uh, Sam, Sam, Sam Hayek. Hayek. She had a line, and there was a good chunk in the movie to where they really talked about how um, how how females are portrayed in the Bible, yep. and that that's something that I was thinking about last month when my my daughter she was in town, and we my my family they're very heavy in the church, and they still like to bring her every Sunday regardless. Right. And at one point they 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 wanted her to speak in front of the church at like this kid ceremony type thing, mm-hmm. and they gave these Bible verses for her to read. So for me, like, I, and I'm supposed to help her, you know, memorize it or whatever, right. or just get through it, and I'm reading them. And then I'm like, this is not like suitable for a woman, a, a female, to be reading. Like, nah. it, 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 like it, it essentially is putting men above women. Yep. The way this this thing is is being written. So it's like I started like trying to research, trying to find something that was uplifting or powerful for a woman. Mm-hmm. And it's like maybe there's something there. It's a very big book, like lots of books inside this Bible. Yeah. But it was so few and far between. It was difficult for me to find. And uh, serendipity, she goes on and, and talks about it, and then she says, read the Bible again sometimes women are, are painted as bigger antagonists than the Egyptians and the Romans combined yep. you know I'm just like yeah it's just I, I really love what what Kevin Smith like you can tell that it came from someone who genuinely grew up within Christianity and having to read the Bible and having real questions with it yep you know I think I think it's interesting because I, I saw this movie with Louise mm-hmm. uh, L.C. Pills <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we, I, we, I saw this movie with her and every time, like, like a female character came in, like, there were a couple of female characters that it, 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 she said, like, you can tell that was a woman written by a man. Mm. You know, like, that kind of, like, the, the filter is still there. Mm. Like, I, Kevin Smith was trying to uh, 
he he did that thing where he was just like, well, maybe maybe women have a much bigger role in the Bible type mm. thing. He was like giving that thing. But I feel like uh, watching Louise watch this movie, she was just kind of like, get the fuck out of here, Kevin Smith. You're not saying the right things. I, I, I need an example. I don't know what you mean. Uh, uh, that was like when and and when we first introduced to Bethany. Uh, she was just like the other girl was like, "You need a dick." Uh, yes, and uh, Jenny Garofalo. Yeah, right, Jenny Garofalo. She was like, "You need someone. You need a dick. Yeah, you need Even to be for ten minutes." Yeah. yeah, and then she was just like, "Or like, are you going to join the dark side?" Implying that she was going to turn gay, mm. and then she was just like, "Nah, women are crazy." <laughs> oh, that's yeah. okay. I can see what you're saying. That's that's a, a line spoken by a woman, but definitely written, written by, by a man. man. Right. That uh, from a man's perspective, this is what a woman would say. Mm-hmm. Oh, good job, LC <laughs> Pills. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, there's a couple of moments in the film. I don't remember a lot of spe- like specific mm. ones. Yeah. But there's a couple of moments in the film when Louise pointed that out to me. Yeah. And it was so fascinating to see because I probably would not have seen it. I, I don't see yeah. stuff like that unless my my girlfriend, unless it's blatant. Yeah. Like, but there's so much, and that's what she brings up to me now. It's like we're talking about like white privilege, but. When we finally get over that, we'll, then we'll, we'll have to address male privilege. Yeah, yeah. You know, because like, the there's thing. so that's much stuff thing. that I don't even notice that is just like <laughs> glaring to women. <laughs> you know, just like, sheesh. So I, I had a real good time like watching yeah. the movie with her because she like pointed out that kind of shit to me and mm-hmm. pointed out how ridiculous some of it was. Because mm-hmm. I tend to laugh at absurdity. Yeah. Uh, but her sense of humor is a little bit, it's a different enough that I can learn something from watching this, like a movie with her. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a great, it was a great fucking time nice. because of that. Uh, but uh, I, uh, I think that Dogma is, is a movie that I really enjoy, mm-hmm. that I admire the passion, the soul, and everything that went behind it in the writing and the dialogue and the, mm-hmm. the planning of like how this ridiculous, absurd story is going to play out. Mm-hmm. All the elements that went into making the thematics of the movie, I think, were fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cinematography and the filmmaking leave mm-hmm. a little bit to be the sire, mm-hmm. but I don't think it needs it. Mm-hmm. I think the movie is perfectly fine as it is with no real faff, it's mm. all about the the idea that well, Kevin Smith had. A bit like Idiocracy. Right, You know, yeah. it's like you have the story, you have what you're trying to get to, and the, the cinematography and the, the editing, they're not supposed to so much, well, just, just basically just enhance it slightly, you right, know, yeah. but yeah, but they're not they just They just get products. the point, they get the point across. Yeah. And 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 I, I enjoy that about this movie because mm. there's not a lot of faff. You don't have to worry about a lot of shit. Yeah. It's kind of like a popcorn movie that mm. you can watch, but it's a popcorn movie that you can have a conversation. Yes. About. Oh. Ooh. And 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 I enjoyed. I, mm. I I really do enjoy that. And I admire Kevin Smith. Like Chasing Amy is the same way. Mm. Uh, in Chasing Amy, you start to he starts examining a little bit of like the manic pixie dream girl trope. Yeah. And he starts going against it a little bit, and then you see sort of the ideas of like why this trope is bullshit. And yeah. coming and knowing Kevin Smith, he comes from a background of like comic book writing and all of this shit. Those are all elements that show up in comic book writing. Like yeah. women in comic books are just not that greatly mm. written, yeah. especially in the in the early nineties. They were yeah. just kind of there to use this like man fodder. Mm. So like you see Kevin Smith going against this very in a way and. What do you mean? I mean, I'm, I'm like I was just thinking about like my favorite ones from the '90s, um, Jean Grey, and like uh, well, Marvel did a lot of st- very strong, powerful females. Oh no, no, within no, no. Marvel, I totally agree. But it's just there's there's a lot that aren't. Too, yeah, yeah. There's so. a lot that are like what yeah. we call "woman in the fridge." Yeah. Uh, which have you, have you heard that before? Because I didn't hear that before. Um, I, I would. I, I'm assuming what it means, but I've never heard that uh, terminology before. So just 
to make sure it, it means that whenever like a, a female character dies mm. solely for the improvement of a male character's story mm. or for the advancement of a male character's emotional journey. So basically like a manic piece of dream girl, but now this person is dying to advance the character. Right. I got you. Uh, they call that woman in the fridge. Mm. It used to be a really common trope in the comic book industry. Mm. So I feel like Kevin Smith having this comic background and he's having all these issues with like strong female characters being like underinterpreted. Uh, minorities being underinterpreted yeah. and that kind of stuff, and, and he just kind of—he's—he's he's not necessarily going against the grain in a way that's like going like "fuck you," I'm going against the grain. Mm. But he does it enough that you can see like, "oh, right, I appreciate what you're doing, Kevin. I like this thing. It's a nice bonus to an already funny movie." Hey, and and I enjoyed it. It was good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, my favorite line before we cut off. Mm -hmm. Is uh, Chris Rock when he was he first landed? Uh, this ground. is why, and I, I hate that line because it's the the nigga owe me twelve dollars. Yes, I uh, hate that line. I I know I I get it I get it, but mm. it made me laugh because I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. I didn't I didn't think Chris Rock would say shit like that. It made me laugh. <laughs> it, it's I resented his whole character after that because I'm like I respect Chris Rock as a comedian. Yeah. He's one of the better comedians in in my living lifetime, mm -hmm. and he looks up to Richard Pryor and anybody that. If I was Richard Pryor and Chris Rock, you know that he stole the shit. And that's why I was like, what the fuck, Chris? Like, right. you stole a laugh, man. Like, everybody's going to laugh, but you stole that laugh. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not your laugh. That laugh uh, belonged to Richard Pryor. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, that's... It's upsetting That's me, fine. But whatever. But that line made me fucking laugh. Because it's funny. <laughs> yeah. That's why. Because Richard Pryor is funny. I don't give a shit who wrote it at this point. It's like, it, it made me laugh. Like I'll, I'll give the credit to Pryor, but it made me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything? What, what would you rate the movie? I I like what you call it. You, um, a, it's a popcorn movie, but you, that has a conversation, like like a popcorn conversational type movie. Mm -hmm. um, I'm gonna go with like a seven point nine. Seven point nine. Mm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna agree with that. Mm. I'm gonna give it a seven point nine. That sounds good. Yeah. Uh, it's a fun movie. Watch it, it if you haven't seen it. It's definitely one of those cold classics that you yeah. hear a lot about. Oh yeah. Uh, and I, I'm not surprised that it pissed people off. Oh, yeah. The movie yeah. pissed people off. Early. And my, my favorite story about this movie is that Kevin Smith showed up to protest his own movie. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't remember. It was a group church, uh, mm. and I think it was his hometown. Oh, yeah. I yeah. remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He showed up on the news. He got interviewed on I the thought, news. I thought that was for Red State. Red State was a religious movie that he made in uh, 2011. No, I think, I think he showed up for the protest on Dogma. Okay. But Red State got protested, too. Okay. Uh, I think, yeah. I, maybe, maybe I'm getting them mixed up. I, mm. I thought it was Dogma. Okay. But he showed up to one of his own movies and protested his own movie yeah. with <laughs> the religious protesters. Yeah. And he got interviewed and talked about why his movie should now be played in theaters. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just great because it really it just captures the spirit of Kevin Smith. Yeah. He's just there to have a good time. Oh, yeah. Fuck what you think. Yeah. <laughs> so, 7 for 9, watch this movie. Uh, I think it's great. Uh, we're going to cut, and then we're going to talk about the really shitty week for television. Movies. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be right back. And welcome back. Uh, television and movie premieres. It's like that time of the year. It's uh, the end of the summer. It's like the beginning of the summer. fall is starting to happen. Are we still in summer? Are we at the end of the summer or is summer done? We're at the now? end of summer. Yeah, I think it's, it's until like September 20 something. Yeah. In. We're, we're, we're at the end of the summer to where it's like nothing. We're not going to get any new summer shows. Uh, the summer blockbusters are kind of happened already. So now it's just we're waiting until the fall. So we get all the fall previews and television. We'll start getting some fall movies. But right now we're getting shit. So oh, before you start, sorry. I watched the, Do you know the movie Logan Lucky that we talked about? Yeah, Jonathan was talking about that. I yeah. went to see it with him. Yeah. 
Uh, really good movie. Sur- nice. Surprised the shit out of me. I thought it was going to be garbage. Yeah. Uh, really funny. Really they had a good really cast. Funny. They had a really good cast. Yeah, they did. Adam Driver is fantastic in yeah. that movie. And yeah. It has a really weird offbeat sense of humor mm. that you're kind of laughing and like, what the fuck is happening? Mm. But it was a really good movie. And I recommend people go watch it because I think nice. movies like that should have a place in yeah. cinema. Yeah. Um, so let's see. This week in television and movies, first starting Tuesday, August 29th through Monday, September the 4th. Uh, first movie is going to be Friday, September the 1st. Uh, it's a television show called Little Evil. Uh, it's a horror comedy on Netflix. Adam Scott and Evangeline Lilly star as, as parents to oh. us. You heard about this? I saw the trailer, yeah. Uh, they star as parents to a six-year-old boy who happens to be the Antichrist <laughs> uh, in this Netflix original horror comedy. Uh, the cast also includes Clancy Brown, Donald Faison, and Chris, how do you say his last name? Delia? Dyla? Chris Delia. Delia. Chris, and Chris Delia. Yeah, I love that guy. It's really it's, funny. It looks like it's going to be, they have a decent cast. Nice. But I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> I mean, I might. It's a horror comedy. Like, it's, it's hard for me to watch horror unless it's actually really thinky. Like, mm-hmm. um, like The Witch. I can oh, watch I horror like that. Or, um, or a, a Babadook. Yeah, I can mm-hmm. watch horror like that. But it's, it's difficult unless it gets psychological for me. Mm-hmm. Or unless you take a, comic, a comedic approach like um, Joss Whedon did with Cabin in the Woods. Yep. You know, it's like I can, I can watch that kind of horror. So this one. Or Sam Ray, Did you ever like the Evil Dead movies? Uh, I don't know if I've seen those. Because to me, that's that's the epitome of com- like horror comedy. Because mm. it's it's campy, it's stupid, but I it's s- also gory and and ter- and genuinely scary at times. I've seen the Edgar Wright uh, zombie movie. Uh, that was uh, Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. Shaun yeah. of the Dead. Yeah. Uh, but I, I no, feel like that was just pure comedy. That was that was taking the piss out of an already yeah. existing thing. Yeah. Uh, but like the epitome of horror comedy really started with Ash versus the Evil Dead. I haven't seen that. Uh, that's are, oh, that's uh, the 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 producer from Ashes versus the Evil Dead is the producer of this show. Okay, then that's there you go. okay. <laughs> wow. Well, I haven't seen Ashes the Evil Dead. Yeah. But. They're really campy '80s horror movies. Uh, the guy loses an arm and replaces it with a chainsaw. If that gives you any. Uh-huh. You know, All it's right. one of those. It's a it's a horror elements completely to be funny. Um, I can get into yeah. that. All right. Well, yeah. This just put a different spin on it, and I'm I'm kind of into that now. A little evil is a horror on uh, Netflix Friday, September the fourth. So yeah, and Donald Faison is in this. That's cool. That's um. If you ever watched Scrubs, he was Brown Bear. He was JD. Oh, I love that fucking guy. Yeah, yeah. I love Scrubs. Yes. So, this uh, guy, love. <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> Look, that's a great show. Uh, so Donald Faison is on that too. Mm. Mm. The the lady that played the nurse. Um, uh, yeah, she's the voice in um, in Rick and Morty. She's the voice in Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. I used to have the biggest crush on that lady. Yeah. She is so hot yeah. and attractive and yeah, she fucking is. adorable. Yeah. Go on. I there know. was the, I didn't realize there was a thing. Her her name was Elliot in the show, mm-hmm. but uh, she had a weird thing that um, whenever she goes to the bathroom to take a shit, like she couldn't have anyone talk to her right. or make any noise. You know, while she was taking a shit, she needed a like, complete silence and whatever. And I thought it was just like a. Um, OCD uh, psychological disorder type of thing mm-hmm. in her character but since seeing that show I've run into three different people <laughs> from different races ethnicities and backgrounds that all need silence and can't be disturbed while they're taking a shit yep uh, you, have you seen this before too uh, I've 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 stumbled on it. You know, it, it, it was all. See, I, I, I stumbled on the opposite. Whenever I'm taking a shit, mm-hmm. there's always some asshole that walks in and starts rapping or singing or mm-hmm. talking to his dick. Yeah. So the, I run into the opposite of that. Oh, oh, oh I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, but it's just like, I, I didn't, I never knew it was like a, a thing to where it's like you needed like 100% concentration to, to get the poop out of your butt. 
You know, like like for real, it's like some like some people get like uh, like poop shot. They say if somebody starts talking to them or they can't concentrate, then the poop just squeezes back up into the asshole and they can't get it out. That's weird. That's a weird thing. Like I don't I don't like being talked to while mm. I'm pooping, but I don't I don't I'm, I don't mind noise, but being talked to mm. while pooping, fuck that. You're an asshole if you talk to me while I'm taking no, a shit. But but um, d- does that does that affect your performance in any way? It, yeah, it just makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> So I can't do it, right? Yeah, what, why is that? That's, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's, that's what Elliot's thing was. Yeah. If somebody's talking to her, then she can't poop. She's like, be quiet. Let me, I need silence. Like, what, how does that interrupt the I, process? I think it's because, I think it's because in my head, it's just like, this is my moment. <laughs> you know, like, this is my private thing. You're invading my private thing. Mm. So get the fuck out. <laughs> that's kind of what I'm feeling. It's kind of like, like, you wouldn't masturbate with someone right next to you if they just walked into the room and they weren't supposed to be there. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you didn't call them in and say, hey, I, I want you to jerk off with me, mm. then that's a weird. Okay. <laughs> I think it's the same concept. Like, I think conceptually I can't handle someone talking to me while I poop because it means that I'm holding a conversation while there's stuff coming out of my ass and that feels wrong. It's like a privacy thing, I yeah. guess. Like I, I, I didn't know where the where where the lines were with that, but it's like, I, yeah, there's there was an episode of Star Trek that I'm thinking about, and there was these aliens that they've never seen the species before, and they bring them onto the ship, and then and they bring them into the mess hall to have dinner, and and like before dinner even starts, really, they get so offended and they get up and they leave, mm-hmm. and the the Star Trek people they can't figure out like why are they so offended? It takes them to the end of the show, and they finally tell them it was like you brought us to for dinner, and you were putting food in inside of your mouths you know it was like what it was like yeah we were eating it was like how do you eat it was like we do it the same way but we do it in private it was like you know to to just to see you doing that in public like with no shame you know it was like the mating and eating had the same word were the exact same word but they had um you had to stress different parts of the word to make it a different meaning you know but it was still just a private experience you wouldn't have sex in front of everybody you wouldn't eat and have put food inside your mouth while you're chewing and swallowing food you just don't do that yeah Yeah, you don't do that in public so I I can see that different people have different lines of things that you want privacy for All right, that's that's probably what it is because fuck if you talk to me while pooping you can text me I'll answer your text if you're outside the door don't fucking talk to me All right. (laughs) I don't know like I'm uh, I I don't know Uh, I don't. I never thought about that, but yeah, yeah, I guess if maybe like pooping doesn't bother me. Like you can have a full on conversation with me. Like we can do that. But if I'm <laughs> if I was ma- I'm trying to think if I was masturbating yeah. in like a public area, and someone no, I was I would still keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because like if I if I'm like masturbating in a public area where you, where you can't see me, and then you walk up and you was like, uh, "Hey, Chris, I need the uh, the keys to your car. Can you um can you get the keys?" Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, "Yeah, they're inside my book bag pocket. Just go inside the room and they're in there while I'm still beating off." <laughs> like, I don't I don't think I would have an issue. I I, I don't know. I would freak the fuck out. Yeah. Anyway. All right. <laughs> like, like I, I don't yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, that's, that's, that's little evil. That's little evil Friday, September the 1st. We're just trying to stretch time, guys. Yeah, you know, fine, there, there's, there's, not a, there's not a lot going on this week. Uh, the next thing is uh, Narcos. It's uh, going to be same day, Friday, September the 1st. Don't give a shit about Narcos. Me neither. Not don't anymore. give a shit. I was like, ah, maybe it's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit. I don't give a fuck. The first Stop. season was good. The first season was, was, was good. It's not, well... Good in the sense of if you're interested in like a, a drug cartel and someone that started from nothing and then killed a lot of people right. to this get everything Pablo that he Escobar wanted. Story, right? Yeah, yeah. Stop, so stop glorifying cartel leaders. I, I mean, it's, I, don't, I don't know if they're 
Well, no, it's, it's glorifying yeah, because it's you're, you're, you're making a television show about a person. Yeah. So even, no matter how you're depicting it, it's still glorification, yeah. <laughs> you know, like honestly. But um, but yeah, it's a narco season three. It's a drama on Netflix. Season one is really, really good. Did not see season two or three. So uh, check that out if you like. Uh, the next thing is going to be Monday, September the 4th, uh, Biggie, The Life of Notorious B.I.G., a miniseries. Cool. Uh, so documentary is going to be on A&E at 8 p.m. Uh, they say that all three parts of the miniseries are going to air on the same day. Okay. Which I like that the television is doing that now. Instead of like giving me one part of the miniseries one Monday, then another one the next Monday, another one yeah. the following. That's Netflix's fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That we, we, we don't have the patience. Just give it all to me right now. Gimme, give gimme. Give so uh, mm-hmm. that's that's the life of the notorious B.I.G. I'll be watching that. That's that's one of my top three favorite rappers of all time. Oh, really? Easily, because like he, he he him and Shaquille O'Neal, like <laughs> like he's not a, well not as a rapper, but Shaquille O'Neal does. Oh, rap. Oh, okay. I was like, what the fuck? No, he does rap, and he has platinum albums what as a the rapper. Fuck? Shaquille O'Neal? Yes. Yes, what? Shaquille in the early '90s, Shaquille O'Neal was a rapper and good at rapping. I'll pull up some of his rap videos after after we get done. But it's like, yeah, right. if you, if you can imagine, like like this, it's like it's not the same Shaq though. It's mm-hmm. like it's not six, seven foot two, three hundred and fifty pound giant Shaq. It's nineteen and twenty year old, seven foot two. 190 pound check, right. you know, lanky check. yeah, like just built with muscles and chiseled abs <laughs> and like full of youth and exuberance and just trying to do everything, you know, but it's just like, yeah, but anyway, um, the reason like admiring these people so much and like Notorious B.I.G. is, you know, it being like a super fat 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 year old, it's like, who am I going to idolize that is also fat? You right. know, and it was like heavy D and the boys. But yeah, you can be heavy D, you can be fat and go be a rapper, or you can be a chef. There's fat chefs. It was just like I didn't have anybody to, that I could see myself in right. and being successful as an overweight person, you know. And Notorious B.I.G., I was like, oh shit, there's a fat black guy who people like. You know, it's like they're not coming up to him and making jokes about him about how fat you are or whatever. They're just like saying, no, you're good at rapping. You're right. good at this. They're praising this guy. So I was like, shit, there's, so there's something that I can do to where people will eventually overlook what I look like physically. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there, there's an avenue to do it. So just li- just listening to his, his raps, he would just talk about growing up poor and being picked on and just how he overcame all that stuff and just and turned it to his own okay. benefit. Yeah. So, I mean, he was he was a very inspirational person to me in my youth, but um, yeah. tragically taken away very way yeah. too soon. I haven't really heard a lot of Biggie. Yeah, uh, which kind of makes me like I feel like I should at some point, but yeah. I just haven't gotten around to it. I mean, it's 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 old hip hop. It's like yeah. '90s hip hop, but um, but he's he's one of my idols, so more, way more so than than Tupac. Mm-hmm. But um, still haven't seen that Tupac. Tupac movie, movie was garbage. So you seen I, it? Didn't watch it. Yeah, I why, saw it. I why'd saw you do it. that? Uh, I got invited. Oh, goodness. I get invited to a lot of movies. Yeah. Uh, it, garbage movie. Oh goodness, yeah. Like it, it, it had good things to it. Yeah. But it's just everything was so handled. Just like the decisions they made. Were you, very did, did you pay to see that? Uh, did I? Yes. Oh. Yep. Oh no. I went with Louise and uh, our friend Elena. Y'all are some balling motherfuckers. <laughs> you know, it's like y'all are balling. It's like I, I, I can't, I can't imagine like being able to spend money on something that I don't know is going to be good or not. Oh yeah, no. See, I'm fine doing it with movies. I like mm. spending money on movies mm. and not knowing if it's going to be good or not. Mm. That's an experience that I enjoy. Oh no. Um, I don't know why I enjoy it, but I enjoy it. I enjoy going to the cinema and not knowing what I'm going to get out of a movie. 
so like I don't mind doing that. I don't mind renting a movie. Like mm. I don't rent movies out of nowhere, garbage. <laughs> yeah. Because I know they're garbage. I've seen them. They're garbage. I'm not gonna pay you again to mm. go see it. But like I don't know. I like going to the theaters and be surprised by a movie. I would like to. I'm like if I was if I was doing better financially, mm. like if I had like disposable money yeah but it's like if i go see him if i spend like ten dollars to go see a movie mm-hmm. and then it's not good i'm like i think about the things in my life that i could have did with that ten dollars oh, you yeah. know it's like now i have no gas in my car now and now i think about i just watched a shitty two-hour movie when i could have just had gas in my car <laughs> you yeah. know what i'm saying so it's like when i when i get to a point where i'm like so financially stable to where fifty dollars in a month mm-hmm. does not affect me whatsoever I'll go see whatever kind of shit movie I want to, yeah. but, but but today I'll be waiting until I can get a good HD version on the Fire no. Stick, and I'll be still. That's also that the thing. difference. I don't have yeah. I don't have a lot of bills, so I can uh, I can afford to go watch movies. Yeah, yeah. I, I can I can afford to steal movies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I do. So what's next? Um, that's that's it for television. Uh, for movies, uh, the first movie we have is Do It Like an Ombre. As uh, rated R, 109 minute runtime. It's a comedy. Um, Raul, Eduardo, and Santiago have led a happy and straight life since their childhood until one day Santiago confesses to them that he is gay. Uh, the director is Nicholas Lopez, uh, and it stars a lot of people that I cannot pronounce their name. No, oh, is that a Spanish movie? Yeah. It's, Spanish? it's the same thing that happened last week and the week before. It's just mm-hmm. like a lot of foreign films are coming out, and it's just, you get like one wide release American okay. type movie a week. Let, let, me, thing. let me read the names. Uh, it's uh, Ignada Alaman uh, Ajeman, and that's not, Ignacia Alaman. Oh, this Ajeman. isn't helping. Yeah. <laughs> Humberto Busto, Aislinn Derbez, and Alfonso Dosal. That's Ignacia Ajeman. Okay. Ajemanda, whatever the fuck. I think they they missed the letter. <laughs> All right. Aslo como hombre. That means do it like a man. Mm. Yeah. It says. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just like I feel like it's a it's a, it's a thematic like. The name, the name upsets me. <laughs> no, I was, I, I mean, yeah, it's like I'm, I'm, I want more of this in American culture mm-hmm. because the the black community, Hispanic community, and whites were all coming together, and that's something that um that Devin was talking about mm-hmm. the um the term cultural appropriation, right. and it's something that, that it's like we're America is supposed to be a melting pot to where we're taking things from each other. Like I was watching in, in this in the food stuff that I've been watching how in in Compton these black people have these taco trucks mm-hmm. that they're taking from the Mexican culture, you know, that's within Los Angeles and bringing it into the black community and putting their own spin on it. Right. There's a um, there's a rapper that I don't think she's very good at all, but her name is uh, Cardi B. Have you ever heard of her? No. Cardi B. Uh, she has a song called Bodak Yellow that's out right now. It's a um, it, it, she she's using the flow from um, from Kodak Black from okay. a, a previous song or whatever. But in this song, she's rapping, and the rap isn't that bad. But she goes back and forth from English to Spanish effortlessly like just in in the rap and it's on english radio so it's just a mainstream song but it's just like for me i don't understand enough spanish to be able to understand what she's saying that quickly but it doesn't matter because the population of the the united states has enough spanish-speaking people that that understand english and spanish to where this song can be played for lots of people and i was like and this do it like an ombre it's like i just like how the the spanglish is kind of becoming spanglish is a really big thing in puerto rico yeah 
because our lang- we're so Americanized mm. that we've adopted a lot of the English words, like mm. the American English words, yeah. into our Spanish vocabulary. Nice. So, like, the word fuck is a Spanish word at right. this point. Like, okay. we just use it consistently. Hamburger. We, it's like like the mingling of culture. Not even like, hamburguesa. Just hamburger. No, just hamburger. <laughs> Give it to me. And, like, and, and, and we do that all the time. We switch from English to Spanish all the fucking Especially yes. the, the, the new the generation that's in there now. Yeah. Just don't give a fuck. Language that. mingling. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. It's great. It's a good time. All right. But yeah, that's that is it for for television and movies. Oh no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There was one more. Uh, Unlocked. Unlocked is a it's a it's a nationwide release. Uh, it's rated R, 98 minute runtime. It's an action thriller. Uh, a CIA interrogator is lured into a ruse that puts London at risk of a biological attack. Uh, it's directed by Michael Apt. It stars Naomi Rapace, Michael Douglas, Tony Collette, and Orlando Bloom. Huh, Orlando. Oh, Bloom, fuck. I thought, I thought you said Brown for a second. I was like, what the fuck? Oh, the guy. You remember that guy? Uh, wait, are we talking about the same guy? Orlando Brown? Yeah, from That's the Raven? He's, uh, yeah, he had a, um, he was doing these memes in these videos yeah, right. to where he looked like he was super drugged out. I and he was like, that. yeah, I'll eat Raven's pussy out. Like, that's how he'll eat her pussy. That's the f- I, I watched the first video of him doing that yesterday. Mm. I could not watch it when it was happening because mm. it was so cringy. Yeah. Fucking, I thought you were talking about that guy. That's what I'm talking about, Orlando Brown. No, 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 no. Oh. I know, but I thought you were talking about when you said Orlando Bloom. Oh, being in I, this movie. Yeah, I thought oh, he was like, what goodness, the fuck no. is Orlando Brown doing there? No. Oh, no. The <laughs> ship has sank on Orlando Brown. He's all the way done, so you can't come back from that. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, before we cut away, I, I watched Annabelle Creation. An- Annabelle? Annabelle Creation. You know, remember the, the movie uh, came out in 2014, Annabelle? Annabelle. Yeah, Annabelle. 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 Oh, yeah. okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. The, the scary movie about the doll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Annabelle. So yeah. the 2014 movie was pretty trash. Mm. Uh, they made a prequel about it to like how Annabelle yep. started. My daughter wanted to see this. This is uh, like a couple of weeks ago. Came yeah, out. yeah, it's really yes. interesting. Came out last Friday. Okay. Uh, it was surprisingly good. Okay. Surprisingly pleasant. Nice. I had a good time. I had, there was one jump scare that fucking got me. Yeah. Because I fucking hate dolls. <laughs> All right. Uh, so the movie was pretty good. Surprising. I saw that. I was uh, uh, like, horror movies are now to a point where mm. I think that filmmakers know how to communicate horror now a little bit better. Than right. they used to. I think they were outdated for a while, and now people are trying to start communicating horror a yeah. little bit better. Yeah. And like, I think Annabelle did a great, did a good job of that. So mm. if you want a good scary flick for a bit, I recommend it. Okay, I'll check that out. Uh, that's it. That's all I got. Yeah, I don't have anything else. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, that'll be an episode for today. Uh, you can find us on uh, Google Play Music, Apple uh, iTunes Podcast app, Stitcher, and SoundCloud under the name for film's sake. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at underscore the F- underscore FFS Podcast, on Facebook at the FFS Podcast, and my personal Twitter handle is at Brown at CJ. And I'm at uh, THA underscore V-O-N-Z. Hey. hey. And uh, that's it. Today's hey. episode. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week. All right. Boop.